Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Tookie's Take podcast. Brought to you by our friends, of course, as always, at Manscaped. A reminder, you can use code Tookie at checkout to get 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping with our friends at Manscaped. Get everything you need for your male grooming needs. Just like I got everything that I need in my life today because joining me today in their absence of the guys and the fellas, there is no Endo Mills. He's buried in about a foot of snow in Toronto, if not more. There is no sin for the win. He's got some personal stuff going on. Send him some love. Instead, joining us for the second time this week, it's Mr. Davos Cast back again. Hello. And joining us this time, it's been a long time coming. The old man of the group. <laughs> He's like a dad to us all. Except for Deke Slayer, because they're about the same age. Ladies and gentlemen, Crash Andrews, finally, thank on you. the podcast. Thank you for finally inviting me on short notice. <laughs> it's one of those things where I've had enough people ask me, like, hey, when am I going to be on? When am I going to be on? Did I just kind of keep stringing people along, and then all of a sudden I'll just be like, hey, you ready to be on? And they're like, why two years later? Like, it's, it's fun. It's kind of fun messing with people, i got to be honest. It's... It's one of my worst qualities, <laughs> but it can be fun. I should turn off my camera right now. <laughs> Just leave. Yep. Like, here's Thanks Crash Andrew's revenge. <laughs> like, I wasn't God, even thinking so... about it when you asked me the, the, on Tuesday uh, until, like, you know what? I haven't been on the show yet. I didn't even ask you. Oh, That's the problem. <laughs> I was up in the Discord. Like, <laughs> hey, guys. Well, and I were talking because again, every Tuesday, Sin has you know stuff he's got to do, and I'm like, yeah, no, you don't have to move scheduled stuff around. Just do what you got to do, and can't be on the show. That's fine. And it was one of those things where you and Endo were talking, and Endo's like, hey, you want to be on the show? And then you're like, sure. And then I read the message, and I'm like, well, shit, I guess Tafos is on the podcast, and I was perfectly fine with it. I enjoyed that episode greatly, and I am sure we'll enjoy today's episode as well. As we get into almost all of the fun stuff uh, regarding everything that's gone on in the hockey world the past couple of days. Because obviously, uh, we're living in a different, uh, we're all living in a different world than we were just a few days ago. Um, some things have happened. One major world event has happened since our last podcast on Tuesday. It was my birthday. That's the earth shattering event right there. What's the, the old Tantino? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta throw a wrestling uh, reference in there when you and I are in the same room, right? You do, yeah. you do. We can just sit here and eventually talk about AEW and uh, bore everyone in Davos included to death, and it'll be a fun, fun time. <laughs> but, yeah, clearly the most important thing that's happened over the last few days is uh, Tukey28. Like, that's it. I'm no longer, like, even at 27, it's tough to say you're in your mid-20s. I feel like that defines 24, 25, 26. 27, you can kind of tongue-in-cheek say mid-20s. Uh, yeah, no, not anymore. I am I am a man in my late 20s joining Davos, and uh, Crash looks at us young whippersnappers and says, shut the hell up. <laughs> so now that you, say, back hurt now that you say that, was it, uh, were you 24 when you created 2 you 24 no. Okay. So the 24 is, so my birthday is February 24th. Okay. So it's just been favorite number, like growing up playing basketball, baseball, football, whatever. It was always 24. 
So yeah, I I almost had the I almost didn't have the 24 in like the handles or anything like that. I'm like on YouTube, I'm like, should I just take that off? But stuck with it. We're stuck with it now, and it's 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 a blast. Um, worst segue of all time because that was the worst word I could have chosen. Uh, obviously, there's some shit going on uh, in the world that a lot of people have been like, hey, you're gonna talk about that on the show at all? Not really. Right? Like, I think you can kind of guess if you've, uh, you know, if you watch any live streams or follow me on Twitter, I'm pretty vocal about my opinions. <laughs> I don't think I've ever... <laughs> yeah, really. What? Right? <laughs> oh. Never heard that before. Hmm. Um, uh, to tie it into the hockey side of things, and we were talking about this before we started recording, obviously so much is changing. Um, you know, whether it be in the in the soccer, the football world, uh, like the Champions League was supposed to be held in St. Petersburg, that's getting moved. Like, obviously, there is so much more than just how the current events affect what's happening in sports. But in terms of how it ties into sports, and specifically a hockey podcast, I got asked a thousand times, uh, "Hey, Alex Ovechkin talked about what's happening today. What do you think?" And like I said, we were talking before the show, and Crash, I kind of love your point, if you'd love to reiterate it, as to, like, my initial take on that is I, I, don't, uh, I, I don't necessarily feel like I have to hear from Alex Ovechkin, but at the same side of things, there's a reason why people want to hear from Ovi. Absolutely, and I, I mean, it kind of goes back even to, to BLM, um, people always asking LeBron James his take, and... and mm. uh, it, you know, anytime something political happens, do we need professional athletes' takes on things? And for the most part, I would argue, no. If they want to come out against something, if they want to come out for something, they have that platform. There's times where we wish they would. There's times where we wish they wouldn't. Hi, Tony D'Angelo. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day... I think the pressure on Ovechkin to say something isn't because he's Russian, it's because he's endorsed Putin uh, in previous instances. So now that this is happening and it's directly related to something that he has actually uh, been out in the media with previously, yes, I think he does now have to speak towards it. Um, was I expecting Alexander Ovechkin to say anything? No. But then you read what he has done and how much, I mean, one of my all time favorite hockey players is Pavel Bure. There's a connection there, but he's not necessarily, um, in the public eye right now. So do I need to hear from Pavel Bure? Not necessarily, but Ovechkin's got that platform right now. I think, uh, I think if it's kind of slightly to that old, uh, you know, your, uh, your mouth has to, or your body can't cash what your mouth, the checks you're, what is the saying? I'm your ass can't cash the checks. Your mouth's writing. Your mouth is writing checks. Your body can't cash or your ass. There you go. <laughs> got there, Stavos. Thanks, Stavos. Watches us fumble. Uh, um, oh God, he spoke about it in the past. I think he's he he owes it to own up to what he said in the past, especially now that it's at this level of darkness and this level of 
terrible. Yeah, I, I think Alexander Ovechkin had to get behind a microphone either to double down <laughs> or to say, mm, you know, uh, I, even if he said, you know what, I know the man, he's a good man, blah, blah, blah. I mean, also this guy, you say the wrong thing about him and, you know, bad things happen. So he has to be very careful of what he says. But I, I absolutely think that Ovechkin needed to be behind a microphone talking about the situation, given his past. Even his present, his Fair. picture on Instagram is still him standing next to Vladimir Putin flashing a peace sign. Right. You know, that's still his picture on Instagram. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, uh, I cannot, uh, you know, kind of deliver a point better than what you just did. And, and in terms of discussing, again, the should he, shouldn't he, what he said, what he didn't say, uh, is he pressured to say certain things? Is he just kind of hiding behind, like, oh, I'd be pressured to say certain things, but in reality, he could say what he wants. There's just so much, like, discourse that could be, you know, brought up there. It's just, it's not the most fun conversation to have. Um, but like I said, I think Crash kind of summed it up perfectly, so I'm cool with leaving it at that. I think just really quickly uh, on that, I also want to hear what Panarin has to say because Panarin's come out and mm. talked about the situation as well previously. So it's not just that it needs to be Ovechkin. Do we need to hear from every Russian player? Do we need to hear from uh, every player what their take is? No. But mm. if somebody has come out and spoken when there was very minimal evil doings going on um, to see what's happening in the world right now. Yeah, they kind of have to get behind that microphone and, and either own up to it or keep going with it. So it's not just an Ovechkin thing. I think Panarin has to and, and anybody else who uh, is either spoken for or against. Uh, I'm, I'm okay with them giving their take at this point. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, Davos, unless you have anything to add, we'll leave it at that because it's just such a, an overwhelming subject, obviously, as you know, and, and obviously the, the general side of things we're living in, uh, <laughs> events that'll be uh, in history books right now. Um, and, and just in terms of the, the microcosm of sport, the effect that it's having, of course, everywhere not just in the hockey world not just in the north american side of things obviously you have finland now with with Jokerit and what could happen with that like there's just so much to this that it's just not the most fun conversation to have so i don't know if you have anything you wanted to add to that no crash hit, hit the nail on the head with that with that statement and you expect your players to to have some sort of voice in the, in this situation and Again, uh, it, it could be it could, it's a scale. It, it could be go bad or good. But again, Crash nailed it. And you expect your your players to give a, a discourse on what they feel about it. And Ovechkin did. And again, will we need to see Artemi Panarin do it? It's a potential, but we'll have to see. And again, it's just it's horrible that it had to come to this. And hopefully, all we can all we can hope for is just uh, some resolve in the future. The other kind of topic that I wrote down in uh, a category called the serious shit, um, best wishes as well to Rodian Amirov. Mm. Like that kind of obviously in a hockey sense has gotten overshadowed because literally that night is when things started to change. But I mean, 
you know, a very, like, you know, you don't even want to just be like, oh, very promising hockey prospects, so we're wishing him the best, but it's like just a young man that does, like, nobody fucking deserves to have to suffer through whatever effects he's going to have to suffer through of a brain tumor in his early 20s. Mm-hmm. It's just awful. So, best wishes to him. We will, again, have that hard segue over to more fun stuff to talk about and just the hockey side of things, but it's one of those things where it's like, okay, again, everything that's going on, it does tie into hockey. It does. As much as I'd love to just be like, hmm, no, it's just, just what you see on what you see on the news, you know, the, the news channels. That's, that's, you see how they're not talking about hockey, so it doesn't tie into hockey. Like, that's it's just it's not true. So when a fun, uh, a fun uh, conversation starter, boy, doesn't Mike Smith suck ass. Uh, <laughs> is my best transition. Uh, saw the stat line that he had allowed eight goals in the last 21 shots he had faced. But no, guys, Ken Holland's a good GM. It floors me. Every time they change coaches, every time they bring in uh, forwards, uh, when they brought in Duncan Keith, you know, the, mm. the glaring issue they have had Probably even since back to like Habby Bulin, arguably, is wow. golden. Well, it's- I mean, you had the the Devin Dubnik era and the Cam Talbot era, but there was never sustained dominance from them. Right, and it it always seems to go hand in hand with the defense as well. Right, like whenever there's success, they've got a good decor. When they don't have a decor, they can bring in decent goaltending and it doesn't pan out for them gee i wonder why that is maybe because pucks aren't cleared out maybe shots are getting through like and and the onus on uh on mcdavid <laughs> that we keep the he's got to play tougher and everything like they've got the worst lineup top to bottom with the two best players in the league and every time they try and address something it is never their decor and it is never their goaltending, and I laugh every time <laughs> because they just everybody knows it. Everybody mm. on Twitter, everybody it's the same joke. Uh, you know, uh, who did they bring in on forward recently? Like Kane. Oh, Pat, uh, not Patrick, <laughs> Vander Kane. <laughs> I don't think Patrick Kane would help either. <laughs> no, but that that would be a move that they would do. They'd bring in Patrick Kane and not address their defense and their goal. Glenn Jacobs to play center and just see what the hell happens. The the joke always is like, oh, does Evander Kane play goaltending? Does he play goaltender? Like, they have to address those two if they're going to be... McDavid, if he stays in Edmonton, which if he plays out this contract, I don't see that happening. Um... McDavid could go down as the greatest player never to win a Stanley Cup if he stays with Edmonton and Edmonton stays with this game plan. Like, it's always tough when you have two of the best goal, top point goal scorers in the league, and that's it. Your your offense is going through dry subtle McDavid. That's it. Like, you never, ha- you barely have any other players that are able to contribute because that's all that they have. And again, it's going to be tough. Again, I don't want to see Drysdale and McDavid have to suffer through what they're doing for more seasons because they're they're trying to get offense going, but that's all they can do. They can't be defensemen. They can't be a second or third line forward because they're only them. 
and they cannot play goalie, obviously. So, Crash mentioned the goaltending, and, oh, when's the last time that they had consistent goaltending? Now, Nikolai Habibulin played 117 games as an oiler. Gordon Hockey reference here. 100, uh, 100 and, yeah, 117 games. Holy shit, it was that few. There have been two goaltenders to play 200 games for the Oilers. Mike Smith has got to be one of them. <laughs> so here's the thing he's not, though. Oh, wow. So I'm looking at this, and really it goes back. Oh, my God, this is just, okay, so this is brutal. So here are the goaltenders to play 200 games for the Oilers in recent memory. Can I guess, and I'll, can I guess I'll, one? I'll tell you where recent memory is. Can I guess one? Cam Talbot's one of them. 2016 to 2019, he played 227 games. Wow. Guess the next goalie to have played at least 200 games for the Oilers. And, and what's the range? What's the year range we're looking at here? So, originally I was going to say uh, dating back to uh, 1999, but then I discovered that this trend goes further, which is why the guessing game's kind of out the door. I was going to throw Tommy Sallow. So, I mean, ding, ding, ding. There you go. So, <laughs> since 1999, only two goalies have played 200 games for the Oilers, and that's Cam Talbot and Tommy Salo. Salo had 334 played between 99 and 2004. And then, you got to go back, like Bill Ranford, but he was on the team from 1988 to 2000. He was, he was, or at least, he was backup. He was around no, here and there. He was Andy Moog's backup, because Fear went to... L.A. or no Buffalo? Yeah. Mm. So it was Moog. Yeah. So I mean, they technically have. Uh, let's see. Andy Moog's played over 200 games. Grant Fuhr, Bill Ranford, Tommy Salo, Cam Talbot. Cujo's not in there. Cujo did not play 200 games for this team. Wow. He, he was there from '96 to '90. Played 177. Correct. So it's just that thing of now you could sit here and look at other teams and just be like, hmm, okay, since 1980, what have these what have these teams done and who's played you know a crazy amount of games? You can, you know, you can certainly judge that. I mean, for the Bruins though, uh, in that same time, Andy Moog over uh, over 200 games. You had Byron Defoe over 200 games. Tim Thomas, Tuka Rask. So it's just interesting to me that, you know, at least the guys that they were getting sustained games out of, they couldn't really do much. Well, here's the other factor that I'm thinking about, too, is how many since Bill Ranford? Because Bill Ranford was an Oiler draft pick. They didn't mm -hmm. trade for him, from what I remember. How many of the goalies that got a sniff, maybe throw it at 50 games, how many of them were homegrown? How many of them were drafted or signed as a free agent out of junior? Uh, because all those question. names that you have said have been outside of the names that we talked about. Curtis Joseph, who was an elite goaltender at that time, and Nikolai Habibulin, who was about to become an elite goaltender. I would argue that Habibulin became an elite goaltender in, in Tampa, but he had that potential. How many of them are homegrown? Because the rest of those names along the way, including uh, Kostinen and Mike Smith, have been band-aid, stopgap, not great. Hopefully they'll be okay. Hopefully they'll go somewhere, but they're either not hitting their potential, Kostinen, or 
their potential is 10 years past Mike Smith. I can't imagine that there's anybody who got 50 games in an, in an Edmonton Oiler net that was homegrown. So here are the goalies then that the Oilers have drafted in their history that have at least 50 games played. And then obviously the discussion can be how many of them were drafted by the Oilers or at least were known primarily for being an Oiler. So Andy Moog, mm-hmm. Grant Fuhrer, yep. UC Markinen. Okay. <laughs> so obviously, like he was a part, you know, took over for Roley in the 06 Cup run. I love it. They got 62 games, or at least uh, no guarantees it was all with uh, this one team. But in terms of NHL games played, Jeff Delorier played 62. Uh, then Dubnik's in there, obviously. Uh, shout out to 1980 draft pick Walt Podubny. Uh <laughs> Don't know how many games he played. Like basically, you look at the names: Walt Podubny, Ryamo Samanin, Yaroslav Pozar, uh, Esatikinen uh, brings it over to the wing. Actually, God, those are wingers. Holy shit! The goalie list ended so fast. I I didn't even realize I was talking about wingers. I was gonna say I didn't think Walt Podubny was a goalie. They have like five. <laughs> UC Markinen's one of them. So, and it's never the goaltending's problem though. Never. Recent history. Why don't you draft Jesper Wallstad? Why? He's highly touted. You traded up. You let him pass through your first pick. You traded up. He's still available. Like, again, it makes me die laughing that these guys just don't understand that it takes more than the top two greatest players in the game right now, arguably. But your goaltending and your defense are just as important as having an Art Ross candidate on two separate lines if needed. God, that's right. The Wallstead pick, they did trade down with Minnesota, and Minnesota took him. And they got Borgo with the next, uh, or two picks later. See, that is why we had to have Edmonton. Oh. <laughs> the next topic of discussion. You get away from serious stuff. All right, how do we feel like hockey fans again? Let's shit on the Oilers collectively. <laughs> that is how you do it, everybody. Couple other quick little notes before we get into stuff that you know. It's funny. I I, I deem this as random stuff, and then had other things as actual convos. Of course, we were able to turn this into an actual conversation. Wanted to mention. Uh, speaking of goaltenders for the Blue Jackets, uh, obviously they've had a bit of an up and down year. Uh, JF Barube is still in the league and is three and zero as a Blue Jacket this season. At least last I knew, which is hilarious. And uh, Patrick Line is crushing it and is already having to give kind of fan service in the media, being like, yeah, I love it here. I love it. I can imagine staying in Columbus. I love it here. I would hope every Blue Jackets fan is smart enough to just know it's like, that's kind of what he has to say. There's a chance Patrick Line could re-sign in Columbus, but... I think, I think people got to put it in check. Like, what is he supposed to say? Boy, I sure hope they trade me this deadline. Sure hope they do. Like, what else do you expect him to say? JF is a, uh, is a King's draft pick, too, isn't he? I, dude, I think so. He's played everywhere. <laughs> All right, here's the real guessing game. How old is JF Barube? 32. Davos? 31. It's only 30. He's been around for a long, long time. That man is only 30 years old, and God knows, God, how many teams. He was a Kings draft pick, 2009. He, I would have thought it was much earlier Islanders. than that. 
He's played for the Kings, he's played for the Islanders, he's played for the Blackhawks, played for the Blue Jackets, played for the Ontario Reign, and I was back with the Blue Jackets and was a member of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms and the Hartford Wolfpack. Wow. Everywhere. He'd look good in the Canadian team jersey. Did anybody look good in the Canadian team jersey? (laughs) Montreal. Montreal, JF. Oh, there you go. I mean, he fits the bill. I'm trying to think. With you talking about... um, Patrick Laine that way. I'm trying to think of anybody has ever gone out into the media and just been absolutely openly honest. Because I think the same thing's happening in Calgary with Goudreau. I think... Mm, yeah, definitely. Everything that you hear about Goudreau, and even uh, uh, Assistant General Manager Craig Conroy's come out and said, that's a done deal. We don't need to worry about it. And Goudreau's mm. saying, oh yeah, I love it in Calgary. He's going to Philly. <laughs> like... <laughs> And the only reason they haven't traded him yet is because they've been so amazing. There, he's the UFA pickup um, for them. Is just holding on to him. But where does Patrick Line go, other than whoever throws the most amount of money at him? Allow me to break out my favorite Simpsons quote and saying, "That's it. Back to Winnipeg." <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> to answer your question, I don't know the last time somebody was actively like, yeah, trade me at the deadline, I want out. Like, I remember a couple years ago, Pugliarvi was like, trade me or I'll play in Europe. Yeah. But even then, I think that was in the off season. No, there's disgruntled. There are disgruntled players who have come out. But I don't think that this is a disgruntled as much as I... Like, I think there's a difference here between just doesn't want to resign there versus not getting enough playing time, not getting opportunities, and mm. just being absolutely disgruntled and, and holding out, so to speak. The Vancouver Canucks last night absolutely pooped on the Calgary Flames. Yes. The Canucks have the best record in the Pacific Division since Bruce Boudreaux was hired. They are at 17-7-4. One point... Above the LA Kings at 17, 8, and 3. Now, Crash Andrews is a Kings fan, which is why I bring this up, despite being a good up boy. He is a Kings fan. Your confidence level right now that the Kings will make the playoffs. They are third in the Pacific at the time of recording. One point. Behind the Vegas Golden Knights, both playing 51 games. They are one point behind Vegas. What do you think? Because they are only two points clear of Edmonton, two points clear of Anaheim. They do have two games at hand on Anaheim. And then Vancouver, five points back, 53 games played. That Pacific Division is going to be close. Your confidence level right now, Crash Andrews, that the LA Kings make the playoffs. If we're doing a a one out of ten, I'm going to say a seven, a solid seven. Um, out of what would it have been at the beginning of the year? At the beginning of the year, it was a two. <laughs> so not no, I'll be honest. I'll be absolutely honest. They are still retooling. They are still rebuilding. The Arvidsson trade was fantastic. Being able to get a player of that caliber for a second and a third. Um, they still have their coffers filled with prospects that are getting opportunities. And mm. those opportunities are turning into wins, which is awesome out of all the teams that you've named in that area they are the only ones and 
complete no homerism right now. They are the only ones who, when you hear trade rumors, they're they're I would say they're two pieces away, maybe an upgraded defense, another scoring winger. They're two pieces away from that seven being an absolute nine. Because to me, you still have to put it out there that there's a chance they can't make it. But they're in on Chikrin. I think that that's one of the best fits in the NHL, provided that they have the pieces. I think Arizona's just waiting instead of just pulling the trigger right now. Vancouver is actually talking more about moving pieces than they are about acquiring pieces. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights don't have any room. They have to put players on the Kucherov uh, LTIR to make cap work so they can't bring anybody in. Calgary's lights out far and away not going to be touched as far as a playoff spot goes. Edmonton, again, what we addressed, they just, they're not understanding how to build a hockey team. There's a chance they could sneak in, but LA just seems to when there's a player available, they're the ones who are actually looking at their needs and what they actually should be going after. So that's why I say right now it is an absolute seven. I think that there's a really good chance, provided they go out and pick up another piece or two, that they'll be uh, they'll be actually in one of the top three spots and not relying on the uh, on the wild card. Davos, care to care to crush his hopes and dreams, or are you in agreement? <laughs> Well, I know we did talk about this on Tuesday based on that we were looking at the Pacific Division. Hmm. And um, again, I thought like I was saying how quick I don't know, quick was having a great year. Like he's had he was having like a 2012-ish year and I know they're playing great hockey. They got they're they're testing out their 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 prospects and putting Byfield. And again, you never know what could happen in these last uh months ahead what kind of playoff picture this could have and uh again i i think i'm right on the same side of crash here it could be a seven out of ten they could be they could be a wild card team heading into uh into april at this point but we'll, we'll have to find out and wait in the future okay would you uh, yes. would you do me the honors of uh just double checking drew dowdy's stat line <laughs> play. So, so Drew Doughty has bounced back tremendously this year. He has, he has. Drew Doughty, uh, despite being injured, right, like third game of the season. Go on. Missed seventeen. No, he missed more than seventeen games. He uh, has thirty-two games played. Kopitar is uh, the full fifty-one. Drew Doughty has twenty-nine points in thirty-two games. With seven goals and twenty-two assists, I'm I'm actually just gonna my screen's right here, my camera's over. I'm just gonna watch Tugi's face right now. <laughs> He's been good. He's been good. Now that does not mean that he wasn't bad, or at least severely underperforming by his standards, just a short while ago. But you got to give him credit. He is also quite funny. When it comes to uh, when it comes to being celebrated for his 1,000th career game, talking to the Oilers bench, <laughs> it was a good moment. It's the it's the Drew Doughty redemption tour this season. Uh, man, yeah, he's he's done well. He's done well. I Points know. in four of his last five games. I know. Granted, you know, 
I know it's not necessarily a, a way you kind of wanted to go with this, but this is a question that I asked you almost a year ago. And I'll ask Davos as a Wings fan and, and Tugi as a Bruins fan. Contract aside, because the contract, even Drew Doughty playing the way Drew Doughty's playing right now, the contract is still... Mm. Take the contract out of the situation. Would you have Drew Doughty on your team right now? Davos, I'll let you go first. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say no. Because I, I feel like the Wings have stuff going on in the mix with the prospects in the minors, in other leagues around Europe and whatnot. And I feel like they want to see more growth in players than take on, I mean, again, we're not talking about the contract, but take on an aging veteran defenseman. No offense. So, the right side for the Wings right now in Cap Friendly is Cider, Ronick, Lindstrom. How much confidence do you have in Gustav Lindstrom off of 41 games this year? He's, uh, I, I think he's done okay, honestly. He's, he's not really doing perfectly great, but he's not also not bad. So, I'd say he's in the middle right now, obviously. But he's scored a okay. couple goals, got some good assists. He's... He's, he's moving the puck around really well, and uh, he's not, like, making me cringe and thinking why we drafted him. So, uh, so Because if I'm, if I'm a Wings fan, I probably take him. Mm. If I'm a Bruins fan, and I just so happen to be, yeah, I take Drew Doughty. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Yeah. A right side of McAvoy, Doughty, Carlo. Oof. Yeah, yeah, you'd have you'd have to take that. And um, I appreciate Davos's answer, but I would also throw the rebuttal out there of you've got some great young talent coming up. Wouldn't you want three years of a leader like Drew Doughty to show them the ropes, to show them the the locker room, the some of the you know stuff you can get away with? Drew Doughty isn't necessarily one of the cleanest players that have ever played in the NHL. Uh, the, not necessarily the dirtiest player in the game, woo, but, um, you know, he's he's gotten away with things that, but at the end of the day, he's one of the, one of the, I would argue, one of the best leaders in the NHL that does not currently have a Captain C on his jersey. So, if I were a Wings fan, and I've got Mo Sider... And I've got a lot of good young prospects coming up. I would want somebody like Drew Doughty on there just to show them the ropes. But to what you said, I wouldn't want Drew Doughty for five years doing that. I wouldn't want Drew Doughty for eight years doing that. I would want Drew Doughty from for one to three years to show those guys those the ropes. Sean Avery. He he got released. Why are we talking about him? <laughs> Sean Avery, air quotes, signed <laughs> with the ECHL's Orlando Solar Bears, and now, what, three, four days later, 24 hours. has left the team. Was it 24 it hours? 24 hours. It was yesterday. It was 24. Fuck. Three to four days. I thought it was three to four days. Like, like, that it. was yesterday? Yeah. yeah. Jeez, I'm pretty sure what that is this world? between the... the release of him like the official release of being him being signed 
and the official release of him being released was around 24 hours. There was Oh my god, you're right. There was talk. There was like, oh, it sounds like the golden or the yeah, not the golden bears. The solar bears. Solar bears. The solar bears are going to sign Sean Avery. You know, there was everybody breaking the news, but the official from the solar bears the signing and the release was Thursday the 24th at 2:17 they announced that you can order your your pre-order your custom Avery jerseys 2:17 p.m. Eastern on Thursday the 24th today's tweet <laughs> what's this possible today's tweet uh, at 2.39 p.m. Eastern, <laughs> it was literally just over 24 hours later, they caught him. He signed on the 23rd, they announced pre-orders for the 24th for his jersey, and then cut him on the 25th. This had to have been a publicity stunt, right? Of course. Because it was nothing but, oh, I can't wait for Matthew Barnaby to sign, and for George LaRock to sign, and they're going to fight him and just... Like, this had to have been an incredibly elaborate troll by Avery, and potentially the Solar Bears as well. I just... Why? Is all press is good press, I guess? Whoever whoever got a pre-order that jersey is going to be <laughs> one lucky person. Does it make it a jersey one foul because person. he never played? <laughs> Oh my Does God. it make it a jersey foul if you pre-ordered the Avery jersey because he never actually wore it? To me, yes. <laughs> got to step on the ice. I with agree. It. No, you got to step on the ice with the jersey, otherwise it's it's a jersey foul. Whether like the the Gretzky um, Coyotes jersey that they held up at the press conference. If anybody has that jersey, you have a jersey foul because he never wore it on the ice. That's but those are my rules. That's that's just how I. No, I. I I agree. I agree. I'm oh, a, what I'm is a big uh, opponent. Oh, God. <laughs> what is Davos grabbing? The Dominic Hasek was at the 2000-2001 All-Star jersey. The 2000. Well, he was, was he at? He, he was supposed to be an All-Star in this All-Star game, but he got hurt before the All-Star game and couldn't play. So, so my, I, had, I had a Yarmer Yager uh, jersey a couple years back uh, for the one that was in Colorado, the same style. Yep. I mean, can you make an exception? Well, I don't want to talk about Sean Avery now. I want to talk about the jersey. Um, <laughs> but it would have been fantastic for George LaRock to get signed and beat him up and then Matthew mm -hmm. Barnaby the next night, whatever team that was, and beat him up. Um, but yeah, can we make an exception for players who are named to All-Star games question mark you know i feel like that's more acceptable if it's an all-star jersey and not an actual team jersey yeah. because we all know people kind of skip out on the all-star it's one game a season right and you've got the you've got the toronto patch on there so it's not like they could have played a week later that's i think that's or the um what about the sean mana sean monahan uh north american team north america jersey i think that's fair i think that's fair game yeah Jersey Fowls, it's a very personal uh, take, I think, that everyone has as to whether or not it's fair game or not. Oh, yeah. I, I, I hope 
just to get back to the original subject, I hope that there is some explanation as to why they cut him. Like he he failed a physical or he didn't show up for the first practice. Like I hope and I hope it's Sean Avery ish because oh, for the reason. Yeah. If they just said, oh, yeah, no, it was a publicity stunt. I mean, that's still Sean Avery ish. But mm-hmm. I want to hear that, like, he said something derogatory to the coach. <laughs> or something like you know, day like, one, but something that would make sense other than yeah, you know what? We signed him. We we thought about it. We saw the Matthew Barnaby tweet. We saw the George Lorock tweet, and that's just not what we want to bring to the game. You were going to try and bring it to the game by signing Sean Avery. So I I wanted I want to see some sort of explanation as to why this happened. I think the best explanation we can have as to why this happened is by reading this excerpt from his Wikipedia article. (laughs) The main grouping being restraining order and other bullying incidents. In 2016, Avery was served with a restraining order for harassing his (laughs) mother-in-law. I rest my case, Your Honor. Like the... (laughs) (laughs) Beginning in the summer of 2016, Avery was, quote, harassing her. They were running into each other. Belonged to the same gym. He'd issue profanities at her and make obscene gestures. He was driving his car too close to her and scaring her. (laughs) John Avery, everybody. But it's funny because he he gets on his bike and yells at people in cars. Drives too close to people. Mm. That's, uh... He's a dickhead. Anyway, Zidane Chara, as we'll just bounce from topic to topic, Zidane Chara sets another NHL record, passes Chris Chelios, speaking of other old fucks who can't skate, um, passes Chris Chelios for the most games played all time amongst defenders at the NHL level with 1,652 games played, and on that night, he fought Jeff Viel uh, of the San Jose Sharks, Jeffrey Truchon Viel. Uh, he, he cut off the Truchon, and I don't know why. Uh, Jeff Viel was, was born the year after Zdeno Chara was drafted. So, <laughs> I don't know when Chara's going to retire. There's a lot of talks. I'm like, will the Bruins look to bring him back? And on one hand, I'm like, please, let's not. But on the other, I'm like, sure, fuck it, let's do it. I mean, god damn. Just... Just damn, 1,652 games. Now, you see Chelio set that record, and you think, there's no way that'll be topped. And now Chara's broken it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe as modern medicine continues to advance and preventive injuries and you know, being able to, you know, again, further prevent injuries, maybe this will be broken. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a long time. <laughs> a long, long time, if ever, that this gets broken. Different eras too, right? I mean, I mean they they overlapped because Chelios stuck around forever and ever and ever. Yeah, but the the bulk of Chelios was when they didn't really physically take care of themselves. I mean, they they what was it? They bulked up on starch and. and well, you know, in in saying that though, yeah, the top five defensemen behind, or you know, top five is obviously Char number one. The four defensemen behind him are Chelios, Scott Stevens, Larry Murphy, and Ray Bork, the only five guys to ever play over sixteen hundred games as a defenseman, and the latter four were all born in the early to mid sixties. So obviously played the bulk of their career in the eighties and the nineties. Some obviously trickled over to the early two thousands. 
I could I could see it being broken. Only uh, going by what I was saying that the players take care of themselves more. They they're off season. They're still playing. You know, staying in shape and and just overall, um, it just it just seems that that is a record that could absolutely be broken just because they take care of themselves hmm. better. I'm kind of shocked that there's not another in the top five, but on the same token, I mean, a guy like Kale McCarr, not a physical player, doesn't necessarily muck or anything like that. If he takes care of himself, he could, right? I, I, I think that's... I think that's who you're looking at because I'm looking at the so the next highest guy is Ryan Suter. Wow, and he's going to be done in the at, next year. He's at twelve forty nine. Yeah, he's not ever close. And then Duncan Keith, who cannot turn. Um, Brent Burns, Mark Edward Vlasic. You have Drew Doughty, obviously now just over a thousand. I don't know, like that's that's an interesting one. Uh, and then you just scroll down the list, and it's like I am like Victor Hedman's only played 866 games. <laughs> you know, it's like you're looking at another 800 games out of someone like Victor Hedman. He's got a lot of miles on him already for sure. He's had some injury troubles. Like, yeah, I think you are kind of looking at those younger guys. Your Adam Foxes, your Kale McCars that you know join the league super early. Like, I think Chara made it to the NHL. God, was he still a teenager when he first played, or was he like 21? I can't remember. I think Chelios was 21 or 23. I think he so straight out of the draft, I thought. But, I, yeah, I think I I don't think you look at anybody. Like uh, the last lockout where they pretty much changed the game from power forward to smaller, faster. I think that's where that line in the sand of who you have to look at as a potential of who could break this, even at somebody who played one game or one season in the old NHL, I don't think you can look at them the same way as the players coming in to this NHL, say, you know, the last, even the last 10 years, but still like, like you said, like guys like Drew Doughty, Chris Letang blew my mind that he's not, I don't think Letang's even close. A no. thousand yet. He's not like no. 851 or something. So, like, uh, you can't look at those guys anymore because they came in as bangers and grinders, whereas it's now turning more to uh, a skill level and not as physical a game, but they still have to take care of themselves. So, yeah. And to um, Zidane Ochara, what an amazing accomplishment being one of those players and still being able to be uh, productive at a advanced age. What is, how old is he? He's he's 40. Who are we talking about here? Chara. Oh, dude, he's like 45. Oh, is he? I thought he was younger than me for some reason. <laughs> 44, he turns 45 uh, on March 18th. Fair. I I can tell you this, at 41 my back hurts just from waking up in the morning. So, oh, my you uh, haven't played professional hockey for half your exactly. life. Exactly. Uh, yeah, no, I I just over half. The only thing I do physically is, you know, pee. Um but yeah, my uh my invisible hat is off to <laughs> And even half the time he doesn't stand up to do that. It's just the, the legs can't oh, take it. Why stand when you can sit? <laughs> So, uh, Latang has played 912 games. So, 
next season could yeah. be his 1,000. There you go. You better knock on wood. <laughs> he gets it. If you jinx this, yeah. Davos. We're coming back to this one. I said could. I didn't say it is. Fair. Run it up. So, speaking of young players, then, there was a graphic that was making the rounds on Twitter and Reddit the other day about who is the best 22-year-old player. Now, we could phrase this as who is the best versus also who would you like to most have on your favorite team? Because I think, obviously, you could end up with a different answer. So I hid this graphic from you guys. I'm not going to have you look it up unless you already have, in which case, still, I want to throw the names out there and see who you guys would pick. Okay. So the first two names on the list, and it's interesting because there are five forwards and four defensemen. So at the very least, let's little it down to what defenseman you would take. So the first two defensemen, Evan Bouchard of the Oilers and Noah Dobson of the Islanders. It's got to it's got to be Evan Bouchard. Like no disrespect to Islanders fans, but I feel like just for the offensive output, you'd go for Bouchard, whereas Dobson is still kind of sheltered within a very defensive Islanders system. Any disagreement there? Yes. Interesting. Uh, Evan Bouchard has taken a long time to get to the NHL. Uh, Evan Bouchard, I think, is going through his first, if not his second season. I think it's his first full. Yeah. So, and, like, I remember three years ago, like, pre-pandemic, going to the Flames-Oilers rookie game in Red Deer and specifically watching for Evan Bouchard, uh, who was in the game, and he, he didn't really stand out. He didn't, with rookies, um, just didn't really do it for me. Like, you would think that somebody who hadn't cracked the lineup yet um, with that much... There was a lot, a lot on Evan Bouchard at the time. And uh, I think it, it, his path... <laughs> Maybe that's the argument I make for Evan Bouchard is his path is they have actually kind of sheltered him and not sped him up. But if you're asking me right now who I would want on my team right now, I would go Noah Dobson just because he's got a little bit more time in the NHL. Whether or not the production uh, is there, arguably. I will say Bouchard does have 27 points in 51 games yeah. so far this season. I'm not... I'm not saying that he's terrible. I'm just saying it took a while to get him into... And we've made the argument. does have 23. So I'm 45, so it's not a drastic golf. Right. But we also make the argument, you know, if he had been better, the Oilers could have used him last season or the season before. That's... that. that it's a measuring stick for me that I, I can't explain any better than I... That's fair. I want Noah Dobson in there just because he's got he knows the NHL a little bit more than Fair. than an Evan Bouchard. Now Davos, we have two other big names coming up, so I'll, I'll ask you to keep your answer short and brief between Bouchard and Dobson. Who are you going with? Uh, Dobson. Fair enough. Oilers fans are furious right now with the show. Get triggered. I don't care. <laughs> Here's the problem. Noah Dobson or Quinn Hughes? I'll go to Davos first. You know what? I like Quinn Hughes speed-wise. He, he's a great puck handler. He can make nice breakout passes when needed. Um, 
defense, so-so. Mm, for but the fact that he can sometimes quarterback the offense pretty good, I think I might go with Hughes over Dobson on this one. Crash Andrews. Hughes, Hughes is showing things that we haven't seen in the NHL in the past 20 years, and he's just starting. That's a guy that takes over a game, and uh, I would absolutely take Hughes over Dobson. Quinn Hughes or Dallas's Miro Haskinen? Crash Andrews. Your choice, sir. I'm, he is in stunned silence. Tough. No, this one's tough because I think Heiskanen is going to be a better leader, um, a better team player. Not to say that Quinn Hughes is selfish or anything like that. I think Heiskanen is going to evolve into an amazing leader uh, for Dallas or whatever team ends up with him. But it, it would depend. It would legitimately depend on the system. If you're asking me as a Kings fan who I would want to see on my team, mm-hmm. I would take Quinn Hughes, mainly for the offensive output. If we didn't have Quentin Byfield on the roster, I would probably go a little bit more towards Heiskanen for the leadership role. Davos. Oh, man. Is a tough, is a really tough choice because we've seen what Miro Heiskanen can, has been doing over the past three or four seasons. And he just keeps getting better and better every season. So, <laughs> I wish I could say I want to tie. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> gotta pick one. I gotta pick Your one. Your top defenseman on this list. Players under 22. But th- or 22 or is this, this is the whole list, right? These are just the defensemen. We're yeah. going to get to the forwards in a minute. Yeah. Uh... Just to give you a quick second to think about it, Devils, I'm going Heiskanen because, uh, like you said, he has shown he has improved versus Quinn Hughes could still crash and burn at any time as far oh, as yeah. I'm concerned. In the, in the improvement aspect, I'm definitely going to go with Miro. But who's to say that Quinn Hughes could have a big breakout season in the future? I don't know. For me, it's hands down Miro Haskinen right now, at least. You know, if we got to go for who's the best right now, it's it's Miro Haskinen. He's he's unbelievable. So I'm happy that we kind of all reached the same the same spot. And I think that's fair, right? Like you end up looking at the numbers for a lot of these guys and saying, like, oh yeah, no, similar production. Like you know, it, it's it's a valid question. I do go with Miro Haskinen as the top defender of the bunch. The forwards are where it gets interesting because on this list there are two teammates. From the Ottawa Senators, Josh Norris or Brady Kachuk? Kachuk. Kachuk. I I love everything about Brady Kachuk. Um, I think he's got enough offensive output that he can get in there and muck and be a disturber and be a jerk and still hold the captaincy because he's doing it the right way as opposed to a Sean Avery who did it just to put the spotlight on himself. So, um, yeah, I'm Brady Kachuk, 100% there. Definitely Brady. Brady's <laughs> Brady's just been nuts at times. and It's that X factor. Yeah, it is. It has to be. <laughs> truculence. Oh, the truculence. Oh, geez. 
<laughs> like just the kid just showing like absolute oh he's becoming a leader on that team and again we we don't know what'll happen with the sends over the, in the future but honestly it's looking good with him at the helm he he's definitely very maturing player for his age better kid to build around oh yeah that doris I will say in Josh Norris's defense, he has been fantastic over the last the like game. season and a half. A reminder, Josh Norris was a part of a big, big trade. He was a part of the return for Eric Carlson and oh. Francis Perron oh. to the Sharks. Oh that trade was Dylan DeMello, who obviously is now with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Chris Tierney, who... Eh, Rudolph Balsers, who's back with the Sharks. Uh, but they ended up getting, or at least the, the second round pick of all the deal was Jamison Reese. There was, uh, basically they got Tim Stutzel and Josh Norris out of the deal. They did pretty damn good oh, for yeah. themselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like those two have essentially been, if I'm not mistaken, like their top two centers this season. They did pretty damn good for themselves in that. So definitely no uh, shade in Josh Norris's direction. Hey, Sin. Br- yeah, <laughs> we had to, we had to talk about it, dude. Sin would have had a bad week on this show. All the Cole Caulfield talk, and now hey, we got to bring up the the Carlson deal again. Yeah. And Brady Kachuk or St. Louis's Robert Thomas? Oh man, great front man for Matchbox Twenty. <laughs> I'm still going. Brady. Let's see how far he's come. Crash. She got out of town. Blues fans, if his nickname isn't Smooth Robert Thomas, then just fuck off. You don't deserve it. Give me a heart. (laughs) Under the earth, under the moon. Nobody stopped me. No, I would have kept going. Keep going. (laughs) I was expecting to be stopped. So Robert Thomas this year, uh, obviously, uh, you know, pretty good. Good showing at the All-Star game, right? There's 40 points in 43 games. Does have a better scoring pace than Brady Kachuk. So it's kind of the idea of do you look at the, you know, the X factor of a Brady Kachuk, the physicality that he brings, or are you looking and, um, excuse me, Robert Thomas wasn't at the All-Star. It was Jordan Cairo. Like basically, what do you look at with between Robert Thomas and, and Brady Kachuk? I feel like most people would go Brady Kachuk, but and Robert Thomas has been pretty damn good on the Blues this year too. You had me convinced that Robert Thomas was an All Star, and I was about to say he's only there because of representation. <laughs> go ahead, Davos. Um, he was a last man in candidate, which was the yeah. uh, the confusion for me. You know, I feel a lot of people would just say Kachuk because hey, it's a coach, it's a, it's Kachuk, it's a household name. Like there's been. Many Kachuks. And, uh, but uh, the fact that. Including Flames legend Daniel Kachuk. <laughs> that one's for Crash Andrews right there. I'm old enough to get that one. <laughs> and, um, basically, again, not, not the fact that the, the fact that Thomas has still continued to grow even after helping his team win the Stanley Cup in 2019. No offense, my friend. Um, so, Crash, that's a podcast of Monkey Dude sound the next time I, uh... <laughs> well, shit, he's a Blues fan. That's not going to help. <laughs> you're kind of I can't locked. escape you're it. Kind of, yep. 
Hey, I'm in. I, uh, that sounded like you asked me to come back instead of, hey, I did. fill in last minute. <laughs> I did, yeah. You're part of the rotation now. Here we are. I'm, I'm, staying, uh, I'm staying with Brady for the exact same yeah. reasons I said before. He's had a bigger impact in a shorter amount of time. The only argument mm. is Thomas has a ring. He knows what it takes to win. But Robert Thomas was a bottom six, which is still important on any team. But <clears throat> He played the Tyler Sagan role, basically. Yeah. From when the Bruins won in 2011 and then... Didn't fit I, the culture. So. He he hasn't made a, as big a impact and hasn't needed to, but I, I'm still staying with Brady Kachuk. As a person, as a player that could provide more impact, definitely Brady. Definitely Brady. Brady Kachuk or Montreal's Nick Suzuki? Ooh. Hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a situational again. Do you need leadership or do you need just absolute flash and scoring ability. I am still going to stick with Brady Kachuk for the Same. what he doesn't make up in the difference in offensive power. He is he is the leader of that team and and it it shocks me that his brother doesn't have the C in in Calgary yet. Nobody does and they still haven't made that decision yet. So I think that bloodline and that heritage and they know what it is to be a leader. Um, I'm still staying with Brady Kachuk, but it is damn close. Was I'm pretty sure yes, but yes, Kachuk was a captain at least once in his career. Keith Kachuk. Oh, Keith. Uh, There's St. Louis, Phoenix, Winnipeg. It had to have been St. Louis because Shane Doan would have been Winnipeg, Arizona. In that. I'll look this up. Davos, your official choice. <laughs> it was with Kachuk, was it not? Yes. Or will be. <laughs> yes. What about the Atlanta? So here's the problem. Suzuki could literally be the next guy to just win Selkie after Selkie because of his defensive ability, too. Yep. So I think the conversation's fair. Suzuki, Kachuk, very close. Depends on what you're looking for. Yep. The problem is... It's the last guy on this list that I go with, hands down, every day of the week. So for you guys, the choice is Brady Kachuk or Dallas's Jason Robertson. I'm not changing. Because I go with Jason Robertson every day of the goddamn week. Mm. I am 100% on that hype train. His, you know, whether or not you just look at the pure production, the, the analytical side of things, Jason Robertson is the most underrated, underappreciated young star in the NHL today, and it's because he plays for Dallas, and that's not fair, and I'm not having it. One day he will, <laughs> one day he'll find his own without being He's shadowed playing. by Jamie Benner, Tyler Sagan. Hey, Jamie Ben needs to protect him at all costs. It's all Jamie Ben's good for nowadays. Anyway, <laughs> it's gooning it up. Dallas needs a fire sale, an it's absolute gonna, fire sale. Happen. They can't be Sagan and Ben's team anymore. It's not. It's already Jason Robertson and Joe Pavelski's team at the the wise age of 37. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sticking with Brady Kachuk. You make a valid point. You make... uh, I just... I... There's just something that I see more out of Brady Kachuk. And 
I'm a leadership guy too. Like I'll, I will, you don't need to produce as much as long as you're protecting your team and, and you're, you've got that locker room and everything like that. And when Brady Kachuk got to the scene and it really looked like he was going to become the next captain, that team started to turn things around. It's a shame they've got an idiot for a, an owner, but they're, they're growing in spite of him. And it starts with Brady Kachuk as their team captain. So that's, uh, I'm a leadership guy first and foremost, and that's, that's where I stay. I'm definitely going to stay with Brady too, because I feel leadership again, when like, this is my, this is my kind of wings bias, but because with Stevie Eiserman and everything, but when you got guys who can perform and leaders that perform and it only can make a team better. And as a, as a whole in the long run. And again, so, we'll see what, obviously, no no knock to Jason Robertson, but that's my take. So you could legitimately, legitimately come to the conclusion that Dallas has the best two players on this list. Don't fuck it up, Dallas. That's the conclusion that they I wanted to, as we went along with this, that's the conclusion that I wanted people to get to is like, think about how much talent Dallas has in just these two alone. You have that future, if not already, star forward and star defender. I respect the fact, though, that for you guys it comes down to Haskin and, and Brady Kachuk as the, the top option. So, what I said before, you get one on your favorite team, Crash for the Kings, Davos for the Red Wings. Do you take Miro Haskinen or do you take Brady Kachuk? Davos? They're, su- they're sweating. No, I, I know what my <laughs> answer is. I just, I feel like I'm the one answering questions first. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's been me the last few times. Everyone gets keeps deferring. I'm like, uh. I think- you know, some sometimes when I host this show, I do like to just see who answers first. And then other times I do like to be like, hey, Davos, you go first on this one. I just okay. like to see who answers first okay. sometimes. Um... I'm going to go Miro. Defensively, mm-hmm. I feel the Wings need just one. Jesus, if they can get could you imagine Miro, Haskin, and Moritz Sider on the same oh. defense? Well, then again, you're spoiled because you had freaking Lidstrom, Rafalski, and all this Larry Murphy. So and <laughs> of course that's who you went with. Of course it is. <laughs> I just want to like, imagine. I mean, Moritz Sider just has been lights out. All season. I'm not, not going to try and turn this into a Red Wings <laughs> dream boat podcast here. But. Crash Andrews, why is it Brady Kachuk? There's enough dream boat on this podcast already, Davos. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Brady Kachuk. Ooh. It is Miro Heiskanen. Um, mm-hmm. With the emergence of noted grinder Adrian Kempe. Doogie, I'm looking at you right now. Mm-hmm. Noted grinder. I know you are. I know you are. Don't worry. <laughs> He's been changed for the new roster update. That'll be out by the end of this weekend. So, um, I I still think that they need they need an absolute one track offensive talent, and it's not Brady Kachuk. I think Miro Heiskanen fits the team better, fills out the decor better. He would potentially be there when 
they don't re-sign or if they re-sign uh, Dowdy at a much lower price um, unless they find a way to trade him or whatever. He, I think he's a better asset um, for teams that already have that leadership quality um, wrapped up. And I think Heiskanen is more offensive than he is leadership, whereas uh, Kachuk is more leadership than he is offense. So I would I would absolutely go Miro Heiskanen. I think it's fair. I think it's fair. I, I'm intrigued to hear from people as well. I, I think I saw like the the Reddit consensus seemed to be seemed to be Heiskanen as well, and he is he's a stud. But I mean, really, any of those any of those guys, you can't go wrong. No, and it's what makes me excited about the NHL is you sit there and actually look at the young talent that's already on rosters and doing this well. I think we're lined up, you know, uh, for another great era uh, of hockey. Uh, but the, the, I mean, the NHL will find a way to ruin it. But um, Excited to see what these guys can do. They're too busy ruining everything else, Tukey. Why would they ruin this? <laughs> Just watch. Give them time. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, I think, Crash, didn't you allude to this earlier in the show, the fact that, the, oh, no, so, see, you were talking about, um, see, I, I, for some reason I saw the name Mark Giordano and I was thinking, I was thinking Calgary already, but obviously the story is that uh, he and Ron Francis have talked, and the Seattle Kraken could be looking to shop Captain Mark Giordano, according to TSN's Pierre Lebrun. You know, it's not the it's not the most surprising thing in the world, but at the same time, it's huh. You, you chose Mark Giordano with the thought that there's a good chance you'll end up having to flip him at the draft. And then you look at some of the other moves and selections that they made, and it's like, well, why didn't you do the same thing there when you took, like, Gavin Bayreuther from Columbus and let him go right back when you could have had even Max Domi for the hell? I still do not understand what the hell the Seattle Kraken were thinking, are thinking. I do don't I don't get it. This is it's kind of fallen to the wayside because oh okay it's an expansion team and they're bad like we thought Vegas would be. But I'm at the point where every time I, like I, I thought about it last night because the Bruins played in Seattle. Just that idea of I can't wait to look back three years from now and still have that expansion draft makes zero sense. Two names that make sense: Connor Bedard and Shane Wright. Those are the, that's why they built the way that they built. And the fact that they put the captaincy on Mark Giordano and now are looking to trade him at their first uh, trade deadline. And everything from day one to where we are right now, every move that they've made, they've not really improved their team. They're going to get rid of one of their offensive threats on defense. Um that's the only reason I can understand is there wasn't the ability to have that breakout player under their um, under their control contractually. They would have to basically make it easier on everybody else. And the only reason they took Mark Giordano from Calgary was because they were in the same division. They got rid of a big piece from the Calgary Flames. So... The reason why they didn't do that from other teams is they didn't have to. They they weakened their opponents by doing so, but in doing so, they uh, they haven't really built 
an exciting team yet. And I think that it's mainly so that they can stay in the, the lottery hunt for Bedard and, and Shane Wright. On one hand, it makes sense. On the other hand, I don't think uh, they could have planned for Grubauer and the goaltending in general to be as bad that as is it is. Absolutely and I think true. that's I think that's kind of where the balance comes. Of like, on one hand, you could be like they kind of planned for this, but on the other, they did ki- they did try to put themselves in a position to be like Vegas and just have Ryan Donato score thirty goals, and all of a sudden they go on a run. I think they tried to get the best of both worlds, and now I I don't know if they have that general direction. I don't know if they do. Corey Perry for the Tampa Bay Lightning scored his 400th career goal, becoming just the 104th player to do so. Want to give him props there. Uh, It's a shame. Uh, He won't be a Hall of Famer. You know, he has a Stanley Cup. His career highlight will be uh, getting ejected in the Winter Classic and making the the long long walk of shame. (laughs) That's his legacy, man. It is. Like, I'm sorry. When you think of Corey Perry, and it might be recency bias, that is what you think of. And it's, you know, sometimes, hey, a a really funny moment that wasn't meant to be funny, uh, that being your career highlight, can end up being a good thing. Uh, The next closest, Phil Kessel at 397. So he should hit it this year. Especially if he gets traded back to the Boston Bruins. You know how many Bruins fans are like, yeah, Chara, Kessel, Lucic from Calgary, bring them all. <laughs> like, it's just a it's just a gigantic meme at this point. Uh, John Tavares is at 381. Mm. Patrice Bergeron at 388. Those are the next three closest. After uh, after John Tavares, it drops off a, a little bit. Jason Spezza probably won't make it. Kopitar's 40 away. So. It is a you know still a pretty exclusive class that Corey Perry has joined, uh, and again we might get a couple more additions here in the next season or so. But we miss. There's one that actually just happened last night. Zach Parise hit his mm. 400th career goal. Mm, that's true. You know what? I saw him at 400, and I'm like, he must have done that earlier this year. Nope, but no, if it was last night. night, then fair enough. Zach Parise, his career highlight, killing the Minnesota Wild. <laughs> Signing dragging them into the pits. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, it really is. I'm sorry. Every time I think of Zach Parise, I just think of the 2010 Olympics. Like, like every time I hear Zach Parise, Ryan Miller, I just think, like, okay, those two guys were arguably the biggest stars on that team. Oh, yeah. And, that's and why then what win. happened, Crash? That's why you didn't win. <laughs> Probably is why we didn't win. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, you know, for all the talk, though, about Parise, I mean, he has 21 points in 47 games this season for the Islanders. Like, that's not brutal. But, like, when the Wild got rid of him and Suter, it's just like, oh, yeah, washed up. He won't go anywhere and won't do anything. He'll probably retire. I mean, he might, but he's not, he's, he's not brutal at this point. I mean, the guy is... Ooh, okay, he is. Is he really going to be turning? Th- Wait, Zach Parise is going to be turning thirty-eight this year. Is that right? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> he turns thirty-eight in July. How the? Okay, I love these oh. moments for you know somebody who we're getting made old. A- yeah. Well, no, just how is Zach Parise turning thirty-eight this year? He was a. Uh, I mean, he was an 03 draft pick for God's sake. He but started the 06 season. I think was his first. 06 or 07. 
God, dude. When's the last time you guys looked back at the 03 draft? Because every time you look back at it, it's just it's even better than we all know it already was. Dude, like that first round, stellar picks is outrageous. Out of thirty picks, one, two, three, four, five, six. This is great radio. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Only thirteen of the thirty. So over half of the players involved have at least made an All Star game. Wow. Numerous people have been an NHL All Star and you know, beyond. That 03 draft, Zach Parise is a part of it. Is there a player in the first round that hadn't played a game? Because I recognize all the names. Uh, I do believe every single player in that first round played at least a few games. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, I think even Sean Bell. Yeah, Sean Bell yeah. got a couple of games in there. Um, played a couple for the Islanders, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wait for the king. I don't know how many drafts you can say that about where every single first round pick actually made it. Yeah, and I'm just looking at the second round. The beginning of the second round is Danny Richmond, which would be where I'd say that's the guy that hasn't played. But then you've got Ryan Stone, Louis Erickson, Mike Egner. Uh Constantine Egner. Lazachev is uh probably didn't play for Nashville Predators. Fun fact, Crash. Danny Richmond played forty nine career NHL games. Yep. His last season. Me surprised. His last season was 07 yeah, late. Five, six, seven, eight. There are nine players of the first 68 chosen in the 03 draft that didn't play an NHL game. Nine out of the first 68. Even if it was one game, still counts. Still probably the greatest draft ever. Was one of them 53rd overall, Yevgeny Tunic? Imagine being the Rangers at the second pick, and sadly, Joe Weber got picked before them, and they had to choose Ivan Baranka, who only played one game. What are you looking at? Yeah, what draft are you looking at? We're talking oh. 2003, Davos. Yes, this is 03. Oh, yeah, no, I see it. Yeah, 49th. Jay Weber, 49th. The Rangers got uh, Ivan Peranka with the next pick. Yeah. Bit of a gap between Shea Weber I and. I went up uh, to like the Ivan. second pick, and Shea Weber was a second rounder. That is. Yeah, yeah I think that's what Davos meant. It's fine. Ah. Well, love you, uh, <laughs> as much as I love a good segue uh, and just a side tangent. We'll go from the 03 draft to the 04 draft. That's my transition here. Pekka Rene, noted draft pick in that 04 class, had his number retired by the Nashville Predators last night. He'll be getting a bronze statue outside of the arena at some point over the next year. Uh, <laughs> Crash, you can't make faces. At least they hung a banner that has some meaning this time. Give him some credit. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> Western Conference participant. <laughs> <laughs> we are NHL team. Here's our banner that proves it. Yeah. Have you seen the car that we have out? In the oh my gosh. <laughs> the outside of the arena. Beat it up with hammers. Feel free. Uh, but no, I. You know, it's been one of those things that's been discussed on this podcast before. I'm sure there's not too much you guys can really add to it aside from the fact that Pedicarene is a phenomenal goaltender. Uh, the goaltender you think of at the Nashville Predators, unless you're still holding on to like Thomas Vokun. Chris um, Mason. Uh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, 
I worked most obscure news segment. Most obscure Nashville Predator goalie you can name. Go. Oh my gosh. Uh, Mike, well, Mike Dunham's not really that obscure either. Um, Dan Ellis. Ooh, Dan Ellis is a good one. Crash. I got nobody out. Like, I dropped Chris Mason. Like, noted NHL goal uh, attributed to. So by that logic, Chris Mason played 146 games as a Pred. Dan Ellis played 110. Davos wins. The more obscure goalie. (laughs) I would have also accepted with one game, Michael Layton. Wow. (laughs) With one game, Casimir Kaskiswo. Oh, jeez. One game of Magnus Helberg. Oh, job. One game of Wade Flaherty. (laughs) And one game from Mark Dukanich. Yeah, good old Mark Dukanich. And then also two games, Connor Ingram, Brian Finley, and Devin Dubnik. <laughs> Who, uh, I'm trying to remember. I know Thomas Vokun was a Predator for a while, but who was his backup? Second most games played as a Predator in goal. Who was his backup mostly? Well, here's the thing. Thomas Vokun played from 99 to 2007. So he had numerous backups. Yeah, um, primarily it was, well, I mean, Mike Dunham, Mike Dunham. was in there. Yeah. So. Of course, Mason would have been in there as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. There. Oh, wow. God, Chris Mason. First game started as a Pred was in 1999. His last game started in Nashville was in 2013. Um, I think, yeah, but he he had a couple stops. <laughs> he left and came yeah. back. And yeah. I. So shout out to, shout out to Pekka Rene. Don't know if he'll be a Hall of Famer because, again, we're all kind of waiting, I think, as hockey fans to see if they're going to lighten up on what it means for a goalie to uh, make the Hall of Fame or if there are going to be a lot of mad, mad people because great goaltenders aren't in the Hall of Fame because it's the, the Hall of Fame and not the Hall of Very Good. You uh, you mentioned my cringe face there. The only part that I cringe about all of that deserved the, the retirement number. You know, if you make a statue over uh, Pekka Rene, you know. When I think Stan- the bar is low for Nashville right now, okay? Yeah, I mean, you, you don't really make one for Martin Urat or Paul Correa or <laughs> Forsberg. Like, there's, you're 100% right, but... Does oh. Shea Weber get a statue once he retires? I don't if think- Pekka Rene is getting one, Shea Weber should get a statue too, right? I don't even know if Shea Weber gets his number retired in Nashville. Oh, he has to. He has to. Uh, you know, fair. Well, then, it, I mean, if he does, then what, yeah, what about David Legwand? Scott Hartnell? Jordan Toot? Mm. Mm. Interesting history, Nashville. Uh, I do believe the next player to get the number retired will be Rick Nash by the Blue Jackets uh, next Saturday, March 5th. Uh, looking forward to that. Loved me some Rick Nash. It's still very weird to me that he was a Bruin because for so long growing up, I'm like, oh my God, I love Rick Nash. He's one of my favorite players. Not enough to name myself Nash or 24. Um, again, another guy who I think Hall of Hall of very good, not quite Hall of Fame. They'll but he find was a way great, to get Nash great player at they do Pekka Rene. Now, see, that's my, that's my question, though, right? Because Rick Nash, who, if you had to choose one, do you go Rick Nash or Pekka Rene for the Hall of Fame? I think Rick Nash only because he he was I don't know if I would say that Pekka Rene was the face of the franchise. That franchise has existed without with I mean 
if there isn't anybody, then you go with the guy who's been the mainstay and the steady, and that is Pekka Rene. But when you mm. think of, even today, you think of the Blue Jackets, you think of Rick Nash. Rick Nash dominated in the goal-scoring department with the likes of, you know, Jerome Ginla was up there starting his goal-scoring. Uh, just even trying to think, I think Lemieux was on, was Lemieux in the league at the same time? Around the O2? Yes. Yeah, so you still had some major superstars, and, and people were talking about goals that Rick Nash scored. I don't ever remember having a conversation about, man, Pekka Rene had a game. You know, he's had great games, he stole games, but I think out of the two, I think that Rick Nash is, I think Rick Nash is a Hall of Famer compared to Pekka Rene might sneak in. The last thing I wanted to talk about in relation to the Preds, you mentioned Philip Forsberg. Andy Strickland on Twitter mentioned that they are apparently actively shopping. Philip Forsberg. Davos, does he join uh, best friend Victor Arvidsson as a member of the LA Kings? Uh, I know. I was going to say, I'm not going to ask Crash because I know Crash wants it. <laughs> I'm going to say no. They're gonna they're gonna find a team suitable for him. I don't I don't think and I mean it's possible, but I don't think so. This one's for Crash Andrews. Slapshot came out forty five years ago today. Now I know it's for Crash because he was old enough to see it in theaters. Where? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had to. I'm so sorry, buddy. I had to do it. I had to. I'm sure you understand. Go on. I had go to on, do it. Go ask your question. Where does it rank among your favorite hockey movies of all time? Number one, and Top. it's not even close. It's that theater magic. No, honestly, and I'll. <laughs> this is why, because there, there really hasn't been an adult themed hockey movie you could say young blood you could say sudden Mur death john claude van oh damme murdered iceberg <laughs> i no i think i think the way that society is going to where we're at it is always fun to go and back and watch slapshot and the culture and the content that's in that movie um will always trump the mighty ducks and it will always trump any hockey movie with MVP. Like, everything about hockey lately has been geared towards kids, whereas this movie was an absolute... If you saw it when you were 12, you didn't understand half of the jokes. To watch mm. it now, as a 28-year-old Tuglis, um, yeah. it, it, and especially in, in our culture and in, in where we've grown as a society it is always fun to go back and watch Slapshot and so for me it's it's number one and it's there's the closest has got to be the original Mighty Ducks and there's zero comparison Davos now why why is it the Tooth Fairy starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson <laughs> I have never seen that movie and I don't think it's a good idea to say, I don't think it's a good idea to watch it. But I know Crash is going to absolutely hate me because I have never seen Slapshot. I hate you. I know. No, I, 
I don't I don't hate people who've never seen Slapshot. I am suggesting that if you've never seen mm. sl- seen Slapshot, don't watch it with your conservative friends who can't understand the era of the movie because the era yeah. of the movie let a lot slide. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. if you can if you can take the opportunity to watch it with people who understand that, then it is a phenomenal and they get hockey right too. Like the calls that happen within the game, that's what bugs me about uh, the Mighty Ducks movies. None of anything that happens in the Mighty Ducks movies is actual hockey. You can't do a flying V. Oh, it's offside. It's offside. <laughs> or the slash that broke Adam Banks's hand was two minutes for slashing, but Julie the Cat... Bullshit, NHL playoff rules. Yeah, but Julie the Cat pushes over an uh, Icelandic monster and she gets intent to injure and gets kicked out of the game. Like, come on. Hmm. I mean, inconsistent officiating. I'd argue it's an accurate hockey movie. Uh, for me, it's it's at least top three minimum, probably top two. I am a big fan of my American uh, nationalistic propaganda, so Miracle's still number one for me. Um, because Kurt Russell. <laughs> it's Kurt, Kurt Russell. Hey, I don't know if it's the Canadian in me, but... I didn't understand. I, I get how big that game was and the fact that it deserved its own biopic. But then it's like the credits should have ended at the end of that game and not, oh yeah, and then they ended up losing. <laughs> credits. Snake Pliskin crash. What's Nick? That's why it's number one. <laughs> What's Snake Pliskin? You never don't. Okay, now about time you tell me you've never seen Escape from New York. Oh no, I have not. As a former Blockbuster employee, I have not seen Escape from New York. My God, you two are unbearable. You know what? You know what? Okay, oh. so Crash Andrew's homework is to watch Escape from New York. Davis's homework is to watch Slapshot. And then I'm gonna go watch Big Trouble in Little China, and watch Kurt hey. Russell put on yeah. movie magic. Yeah. Because Nate Pliskin is Kurt Russell. God damn it. The disres- I'm naming this episode Snake Pliskin now. This is ridiculous. I thought, oh, I heard Nate. Or I did. Yeah, Nate, <laughs> the great badass from Escape from New York, Nate Pliskin. That's what I heard. And, that, and I'm sure even if you said Snake Pliskin, I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. All right, to continue to piss off Oilers fans, let's praise the Habs really quickly. This comes from John Lou, L-U, on Twitter. Habs, Caulfield, Suzuki, Anderson. In three and a third games since forming Montreal's top line, Caulfield has seven points, Suzuki has three, Anderson has five. Cole Caulfield, up to uh, 18 points now in 37 games. Uh, Martin St. Louis for Jack Adams? Not a big enough sample size. But holy hell, has he turned that franchise around? Sorry, on ice. <laughs> Fair. On ice, Fair. he has turned that franchise around. It is. It is worth, uh, you know, clarifying. There, I would say. The last thing that I kind of wanted to talk about. It's it's a multi-part conversation here. I'm actually going to start with the Leafs uh, first and foremost. Jake Muzzin on IR. See what happens for the Leafs there. He'll probably be back for the playoffs. But main thing to talk about with the Leafs, of course, Austin Matthews. Took the lead 
in overall goal scoring, 36th on the year. Uh, from Chris Johnston, 76 goals in his last 100 games. At the same time, he has emerged as a Selkie favorite. Six seasons now. This is Austin Matthews' sixth season. He has already recorded his fifth season with at least 35 goals. That is the fourth most all-time of an American-born player. So Matthews, again, 35 goal seasons. He already has five. Keith Kachuk had seven. Pat LaFontaine, eight. And Joe Mullen had nine. He is going to obliterate that record. Absolutely obliterate it. And he would already be on six had he not gotten hurt in 17-18. He had 34 goals in 62 games. He is going to obliterate that record. On the flip side, I want to talk about the New York Rangers. Igor Shosturkin has a 940 save percentage on the season. If you ruled out two games against the Calgary Flames, where he gave up 11 goals on six or uh, 11 of his 63 goals he's allowed this season came against Calgary, you rule out those two bad games against Calgary, he would have a 946 save percentage on the season. Well, I bring this up. Because Pierre Lebrun put out this tweet. Connor McDavid, obviously, always a heart favorite. Leon Dreisaitl, certainly a heart favorite still. Then you got guys like Jonathan Huberdeau and Johnny Goodrow and quite a few other people. And then there's Austin Matthews. But then there's also Shesterkin. The last goalie to win the heart was Carey Price in 2015. Right now, that was the last time he was good, by the way. Right now, if you had to pick your favorite to win the Hart Trophy this season, who do you go with? Can you just give me a a number one goalar? (laughs) I cannot. (laughs) I've we've spent enough of this podcast like poking at Canadian teams. We have to. We I I I. I think the argument that I saw I saw online was was the Carey Price argument, um, but I who was that? I don't think that anybody really had a dominant season like Carey Price has. I until now. No, I, I'm not even talking about goaltending. I'm I'm talking like in that season, he wasn't up against as formidable. Like he was lights out the best player in the NHL. Like, you still had guys that you expected to be good. And I think that's the argument that I would make is I expect Matthews to be this good. I don't expect Shesterkin to be that great. I don't expect... I didn't expect Johnny Goudreau to be as defensively sound as he has been this season, which has turned that franchise uh, into a believable cup contender. I, I think that Hart Trophy conversation has to be around players you didn't expect to be as good because they're more valuable uh, honestly unless like the season where um Connor McDavid was on pace for nearly 200 like the bubble season he was huh. insane then yes he's in that conversation if he's just putting up 120 points like Connor McDavid does and you've got Dreisaitl I don't think you're that valuable to your team if that's why you're there. Somebody like a Shesterkin putting up those numbers that he has been putting up puts him above anybody else as far as I'm concerned. 
Davos? Uh, definitely, definitely in, in the sense of what Crash said was we expected Matthews to be that good, and we weren't expecting Shostakin to post the kind of numbers he has this season. And to that extent, I kind of agree, and I do feel that Shostakin deserves praise for having numbers, how I should say, Hashik like save percentage numbers this season and will he continue the trend i don't know but again for him this is like the <laughs> the new york the leaving the dethroning of lundquist after he retired to the quick escapade of shesterkin coming in as netminder and now they're saying instead of henrik henrik they're saying igor igor for the chance, so this could be a, a new uh, new look for the Rangers. And again, it's crazy to see Sterkin put up these numbers. And I hope that he continue the trend towards the regular season. And again, again, I feel like he could definitely be a hard Trophy winner if he continues being as good as he has as good as he has been. That season where Carey Price won the heart was the year that Jamie Ben won the scoring title with 87 points. Not to take away from how good Carey Price that was that year. If anything, you could argue Carey Price directly contributed to scoring being down. Yes. <laughs> almost single-handedly. Igor Shosturkin is having one of the greatest individual seasons we have had. I would argue behind not that good of a defense either. I think it has to be him for his... Like, it would take a goaltending performance of this magnitude to compete with how amazing someone like Austin Matthews has been this year. The Rangers' defense, right now on cap-friendly, is Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox. Lindgren's really solid. Fox is amazing. Keandre Miller, he's only 22. He's good. He's a good young player, but he's not like dominant top four guy yet. Next to Jacob Truba, who's really solid. And then 21-year-old Zach Jones, who has nine games played this year, and 20-year-old Braden Schneider. Uh, they have also had Libor Hayek play this year. 39 games of Patrick Nemeth. That defense on pay... I, 25 games of Neil Lundquist. Jared Tenorti's played this year for them. He, ha he hasn't been a, a guy that's like, oh yeah, he's been bailed out by a great defense in front of him. No, he's just incredible. Like, he is just incredible, and I think he has to. Yes, Crash, like the wrestler. Um, <laughs> so the Portuguese man of war? There you go. The old Aldo Montoya, they call him. <laughs> the Rangers' second place in their uh, in their division right now in the Metro, uh, only behind the Carolina Hurricanes. If they make the playoffs, it's kind of like Nashville. I mean, granted, the Rangers are better than Nashville, but it's like, oh, if Nashville win the playoffs, why'd they make the playoffs? Because of UC Saros. The Rangers make the playoffs, let alone have a top three spot. It's because of Shesterkin. Like, God knows how bad they would be without him. He is the runaway, not only for the Vesna, but for the heart. And right now, yeah, I'd have to give it to him. Well, and that's that's insane because someone like Matthews has been so good. Heading into the All-Star weekend, too, Chris Kreider was the goal leader. So yeah, you would almost think that with that kind of defense, oh, they're just scoring more than the other team. Well, they are but you've got a high caliber goaltender that they they sat that he's home go back to what we talked about he's homegrown they waited until there was a spot and he was ready and they they got rid of 
arguably the best goaltender that they've had that doesn't have a Stanley mm. Cup ring. That sorry about that. Twist the knife. Sorry about Jesus. that. Um, but yeah, I mean, they held on to Georgiev and, and Shosturkin and let those two figure out who was going to take the throne. And I don't think anybody would have seen the season that that we've been seeing from uh, from the pipes in uh, in Madison Square Garden here. So I, f- boys, unless Davos has another point to make, the floor is yours. So, I was looking up the all-time best save percentage in a single season for for, for the most uh, highest save percentage. Only two goalies, Whitey Braithwaite, back in nineteen tickety two with a nine seventy. Face two shots a game. Oh my gosh. Put Kipper um, up there. Obviously, well, actually, one of them is Jacques Plant having two with a 9-4-4 and a 9-4-0. And one of the goalie, Brian Elliott, in 2012, had a 9-4-0. So right behind Jesus. them. That's crazy. Calgary Flames legend Brian Elliott. Yes. To end the show, name every team Brian Elliott's played for. St. Louis, Calgary, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Uh, where is he now? Am I where one, is he now? Am I one or two away? Three. You're halfway Three. there. Yeah. It's a tough one. Davos, it's a team effort, unless you've already looked. Ottawa Senators. <laughs> Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Team that drafted him. Tampa Bay Lightning. Two teams. There you go. Current team. You got one more. Ah. One more. For some reason, I want to say it's Edmonton, but I know it's not. Like, I always get Talbot mixed up. He played 12 games for this team back in 2010-11. Oh. Minnesota? Not Minnesota. Rocking a lovely 891 oh. with a 2 8 and 1 record oh. for your 2010 11 Colorado Avalanche. Oh. I would never have got that. Yeah. Very, very random. Boys, this was a blast. Thank you for joining me on such short notice. I mean, Davos, again, your second show. Crash, we're going to have to gonna have to get you back in here as well. I mean, shit, for all I know, with uh, how the weather is, Endo's going to be shoveling snow until next January, just clean through the year, so... <laughs> time lately. I got some time. <laughs> I, I laughed at the beginning when you said, you know, he's uh, buried under a foot of snow. Not that short. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. I've never I've never uh, stood next to Endo in person. He, you know, you know, you know, he could be a shortman. To say. Has he won't hear this. It's fine. <laughs> Davos, tell the people where they can find you on the way out here. You guys can find me on DavosCast on Twitch and DavosCast on Twitter. There you go. Quick and easy, everybody. Crash Andrews, the man, the myth, the legend. What do you got going on? I heard you got some free time compared to what you were expecting. I got some time. I got some time. Got the wife texting me here, too, to hurry up. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, first off, 
Uh, I want to say that Davos is one of the most fantastic play-by-play guys, not including Tugi and Sin, who usually sit here, but he is absolutely one of the best um, and one of the greatest people in the communities I've run through. Um, you can find me, even though I've never found myself, really, uh, but you can find me at uh, Crash Andrews uh, pretty much everywhere, except on Twitter. It's Crash underscore Andrews. Uh, all my links, though. I have a website, CrashAndrews.com. Hang on, everybody. Check out CrashAndrews.com for all the latest on your favorite streamer. At least he should be. Boys, thank you again. Everybody, we'll be back next week. Who will be with me? I have no earthly idea at this point. Maybe this is the new trio. <laughs> Who's to say? We'll find out. Again, check out our friends at Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Just go to get check out 20% off your order. Free worldwide shipping. Whether you're in Alberta or Michigan or Mon- Montana. I don't think we do. We have any listeners in Montana? Let me know if you're from Montana, Montana, and tell me what the hell do you do every day? What do you do? Oh, they got time to Montana. use Manscaped. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody.